everybody. Welcome to Augmenters. I'm Julie. And this is Jimmy. Hello. We are two business founders who started out as solopreneurs, yet found our greatest success when working with others. Mentoring is key to incredible relationships, and the Augmenters platform will help you get further faster because great relationships lead to better business and more fulfilling lives. You are here because you want to help others shine and see the light in themselves. We will support you in your mentoring journey with advice, tools, and stories that will augment your relationships to the next level. So strap on your ear pods, prepare to listen generously, and become an augmenter with us. Jimmy, I forgot my headphones again. No worries. Just turn up the volume to this next Augmenters episode. Along the lines, I know we're going to talk a bit about the fabulous Win Morgan. Hashtag winning. Incredible podcast coming up with us. I learned so much. To be honest with you, I had a big aha in the time that I spent with Win. Mm. Can I share it with you? Please. So, in the time I spent with Win, he talked a lot about letting go of the thoughts that you have about yourself and the beliefs that you have about yourself, which is, I think, something a coach can do for you. And I also think it's something that a mentor can do for you. I was at a, a retreat that he was leading, and he never said this directly, but it led me to remember that a thought I've always had about myself is that I am not athletic and I do not have athletic ability, despite the fact I am quite tall. I have a very long wingspan and I am quite strong. And I always said, oh, I'm not athletic because that was a belief I had about myself. But actually during that time when he was sharing that, I was able to really question it and take a look at it because there was a tennis coach actually at the same retreat and him and I had a conversation about it. And it actually really inspired me when I got back to try doing more athletic things and not just doing more athletic things, but actually to really consider myself as an athlete. And maybe that's something that I actually am. And I just never believed it about myself. So I was really grateful for Win for that time. And I was very grateful for him to come on the pod, talk a little bit about this change in perception. Although I still believe I'm never going to be a cheerleader and I'm okay with that. Cheerleaders have a different kind of athleticism than a lot of sports, but still sport and you can be an athlete in many ways. So I think that's pretty exciting. And something you kind of touched on, which Wynn is all over when he's talking is about identity and how you see yourself. And I know it's very hard for folks who at times thought of themselves as an athlete. And then as they progress in life, may not continue to live up to that image. So how do you remove those negative thoughts inwardly so you can continue to be whatever you currently see yourself as, but not put pressure on yourself to continue to be able to, to touch the rim or something like that? And does that make room for something else? You know, if you kind of always thought, oh, I'm not the brain or I'm not the whatever, I'm just the athlete. And then as you get older, you know, you kind of lose that potential part of yourself, what does it make room for? Does it make room for something that you hadn't really thought of yourself as? And can you just kind of grow and evolve over the course of your career? Like, could I actually be an athlete at age 48? <laughs> and like, is that okay? It's like a new what, athlete. Did you, did, did, did you stutter? I was that... <clears throat> at 48. Yeah. Can you, you know, think of yourself in a new way? Is that possible? And if you are, like you might need new people in your life to help you think differently. I say all the time, the reason I do yoga in the mornings is so I can still hoop at age 70. Everybody thinks I'm crazy, but there's a Wednesday night run down in Washington, D.C., where I think he's 76 and he still gets up and down the court 
not even foul line to foul line, like to the hoop, and gets a couple buckets a game. So I got goals, and this ties directly into what, what my biggest takeaway from win, which was patience. Have patience with yourself, have patience with the situation, and what you are looking for will come. Oh, I love that. I love that. And just being quiet, which is not something I'm particularly good at. And when you are quiet, you get the chance to have something that we've talked about before, sort of this inner mentor and that quiet wisdom that you get that comes into your head and your heart and, you know, when you're quiet or when you're not moving too fast. So he does a great job, I think, of bringing that back and making it really actionable and I think really accessible. I'm bringing patience back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jimmy. Maybe you will be, maybe you will be a singer. I believe, I believe in you. I feel like maybe the 86-year-old basketball player is more accessible, but you never know. Anybody can be a singer in the shower. And I bet your daughter thinks you're a great singer. <laughs> I don't think so. Not compared to Heather, who has a wonderful voice. I, we've, we've digressed far, far enough. I think it's time. Welcome, win. Here we go. Win Morgan, thank you so much for joining us here today at Augmenters. Good to be here. Nice to see you again, Julian. Good to meet you, Jimmy. Good to meet you too. I am so excited for this conversation, Win. I absolutely have loved getting to know you. I have been binging on your podcast. Your voice is incredible. I knew that the first second I met you and I thought to myself, I hope this man has a podcast. And lo and behold, you do. It's incredible. I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Tell a little bit to our listeners a bit about yourself and your work, where your kind of perspective comes from, because I think it's so unique just for the context a lot of our our listeners are young grads. They're folks looking to get into the workforce. They're looking to find ways to help understand themselves better and to help connect better with others. So I'd love to, first of all, just start off and hear a little bit more about you. Well, my name, Wyn Morgan. It's um, not the most common name in the world, but there are a few of us from the country of Wales that have the name Wynn. And it's here's what I, I find always interesting about my name. People go, is it short for something? No, it's just short. It's just a short word. It's a mutation on the Welsh word for white. So the Welsh word for white for me is Gwyn. And then Wynn is the kind of the name often given, even though I had a great uncle called Gwyn. And the reason that boys are called that and girls, which will have the double N-E at the end, which then makes it the feminine version of, of white, is the white, innocent, pure, virginal, all those kind of things. All of those I was in the moment I was born. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can let you draw your own conclusions about what I might mean or not mean based upon that. When I have to ask, though, were you able to purchase winning.com? Yes. Because UK, actually. I'm there right now, and yeah. you might need to touch up the website a little bit. But it's a hell of a domain. .co.uk is mine, actually. The .com, someone purchased it. Um, mm. And I think it might have some... Jimmy can win it back for you. Jimmy's really great at winning really? people's domains. Yeah. <laughs> I do like it. It's the, yeah, internet domains are kind of like my, my Pokemon. You know, collect them all. Well, yes. If you could want to spend five minutes in your hobby looking up something about that that would be great thank you always good to meet people who've got these really great important skills that for them are hobbies right or a life calling to me on this instead of a hobby like (laughs) like until you experience snacks on snacks on snacks.com as your own you haven't i feel really felt fulfilled really yeah well each to their own i say jimmy and congratulations i'm glad you found your calling (laughs) a lot of us are still looking for ours (laughs) 
<laughs> Amen to that. So back to you as a virginal baby. Yeah. <laughs> when, Long time ago now. And between that moment and now, what have you been up to? Well, here's something that not everyone knows about me when they hear my voice. English is my second language. Until the age of 12, all of my schooling was done through the Welsh language. And some people will think there is such a thing as the Welsh language. Yes. Oh, isn't it just a dialect of English? No. Different alphabet, different origin. It's a, one of the branches of the Celtic languages. So from the age of 12, I then went to a I was taught everything through the medium of English, as opposed to everything through the medium of Welsh from, from four to, to 12. The bit that I remember about that is that it took me at least a year to kind of catch on and to speed up to thinking, listening to someone talking to me in English, I would then translate it in my mind because I was fluent in English. It just wasn't my natural thinking language. Anyway, I digress a little bit. After university and everything, I fell into a sales job because it's the only thing I really had any experience of. And that was experience in the US mm. doing door-to-door -door sales in the Bay Area of California. Literally door-to-door -door sales? Yeah, door-to-door -door sales in wow. San Francisco. And the reason I went to San Francisco, because I'm a huge San Francisco 49ers fan and I have been since yeah. 1983. So that's one anarchy thing about me too. And a week today... I will be watching the Niners play the Seattle Seahawks on a Thursday in Seattle. So I'm that's, leaving that's you. That's a great time to start being a Niners fan. You, you chose it well. Yeah, and I chose them after they lost the game. I, hmm. they were, um, Always a good place to come in with the underdog. And did you also have really phenomenal quads from doing door-to-door -door sales in San Francisco? I feel that's yeah. a really impressive task. One of the other things that might have faded over time would have been my impressive quads as well as my uh, living up to my name at the date of my birth. Yeah, because that, that was in 1991, right? Which it shocks me that that is now over 30 years ago doing that. So my quads probably aren't the same now. Time flies. You can always go back to it. Although I don't think they do door-to-door -door sales as much anymore, I would say. Uh, Living in New York City, people knock on my door and I'm like, you are the bravest human ever to go door to door in New York City trying to yeah. sell anything. Like, wow, yeah. good way to get to know all of humanity. So with sales, did you enjoy sales? No, not my calling. It was fun. But the bits that I found really fun was the whole interpersonal relationships part, the relating with customers and clients that I really enjoyed. And I got a really good grounding. I worked for PepsiCo here in the UK and they were looking for somebody Welsh with a graduate degree and also who had sales experience and I was the only one who applied to have all three so I kind of like walked into the job <laughs> thankfully I was that. decent at it as well it only, only lasted in that job eight months before they promoted me thinking that they'd hire somebody there who would be there on that patch for a while um, but I wasn't so you know I, I moved through that organization quite quickly but then I went on to training courses when I was at the PepsiCo UK business. And I remember looking at the people delivering the training course. I thought, oh, that looks like fun. How do I do that for a living? And that was when I found my calling, really, and then stumbled into one-to-one -one coaching. Because when I was then hired from a competitor from United Biscuits, um, by United Biscuits from PepsiCo, to head up their training division, the reason I did that was because I wanted to play at delivering training. Is it really what I wanted to do? Spent two years doing that and then joined the, the company who trained me back at PepsiCo back in 2001, which is now well over 20 years ago, and then started my own business 17 years ago now. That's amazing. I love to hear that you were sitting in a training and you said to yourself, I want to do that because some people sit in trainings and think, is it time for lunch? 
Yeah. There was a time. One <laughs> for snack my training. I have to go to the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> the ones who come to my training can't wait for lunch at the end of the day. Well, lunch is always exciting, no matter how great the training is. That is true. Was there somebody there as a trainer who presented to you in a way that was clear enough to you at that moment to say, I want to do that? I, at least three. I'll answer that slightly differently. I don't think it was inherently about them. It was the fact that it looked like fun. And I thought, oh, I wonder, could I make my career fun? Because I was quite enjoying myself. And then I noticed there was this other fun. Now, there's a part of me, full confession time, right? If I had the talent, I'd have wanted to be a pop rock singer. But I, my voice isn't good enough, right? And I wasn't... Fortunate. Your voice is awesome for podcasting. I cannot... I've never heard you sing, so yeah. I can't... I think you could be a pop idol podcaster, yeah. but maybe not. Maybe, yeah. yeah. That that kind of thing's probably now passed me by, right? But the whole notion of being the center of attention and actually drawing out the best of people, I thought, wow, that's something I probably could do. And well, I've been doing that. But also more and more over the last kind of 17 years, more and more of my time is in the one-to-one coaching arena because then I kind of stumbled into falling in love with bringing up the best of people and helping people fall in love with their life that to me was even more my calling than anything else I've ever done wow when you blew me away about combining a pop singer and training PepsiCo sales and that it had to be something about the content and the personality and that you know the same person couldn't deliver the same content and necessarily give it the same kind of pizzazz or enjoyment. Yeah, that's that's the bit that I find interesting, right? Because I'd like to think that with time, I could train anything, regardless of the content. And that's the challenge in delivering the training is how do I make this, first of all, connectable to the audience and enjoyable? Because I know if they can connect and find it enjoyable, they're all in and they'll learn. Now that bit, so I true. love the challenge of that. That's fun to me. I think the pop singer bit is just that I like being a little bit of a show off. And I thought the delivering training was being a bit of a show off. It ends up not being true, but I didn't know that it wasn't about being entertaining. It was about being impactful. Now, in my mind, I think my level of enthusiasm and entertainment as a method of delivery has dropped off over the years in a really good way because I'm far more interested in impact than my ego. Mm, So that brings up then a question on, I find education these days, it starts with entertainment and secondarily is usually the content because if you can't entertain or keep their attention, then you've lost the person and it doesn't matter however smart you're saying something. So was there a mentor or a specific person that like helped really instill that in you? Or were you viewing that and seeing others and then kind of figuring out on your own? My first mentor, I'm pretty sure, was my grandfather. Mm. And he died when I was very young. He died when I was 10. And I've been told that in my first few years of life, I was a bit of a tearaway. I you know, wasn't particularly happy. I, wasn't, I wouldn't listen. I was hard work. He was firm fair, had an amazing heart. And I know the unconditional love that he and his wife, my grandmother had for me was incredible. And I've always felt it. Even 40 years later, I feel it right now. I remember once because of where I was living and where my grandparents were living, my grandfather was a school teacher and me and my brother, who's three years older than me, we went during our school holidays to 
sit in his class for a day because school was still in where he was. And I remember vividly that how calm and present he was with these children. And, and he would take the class of various different ages of that school that had what we'd now call learning challenges or neuroatypical. I was going to say neurodiversity, yeah, yes. Neurodiverse, right? He would be the guy who would teach them. They loved him. And I don't even know how conscious I've been until right now, me saying this, that I'm pretty sure his presence and his being all in for the kids meant more to them than being entertaining. And that's what I know I've learned for myself via, you know, trial and error and some mentors in my last kind of like 10, 15 years that have seen presence being more impactful and presence being a way of getting engagement more than being entertaining. What were the ways that your grandfather specifically were able to go like above and beyond to become that kind of mentor or in the classroom? He would love them even if they flunked. He would love them even if they were playing up. Now, he wouldn't put up with it all, but he loved them regardless. And they they kind of knew he had their best interest at heart because the feeling in it was for their benefit, not for his. It's very easy for us to be impatient with other people's behaviors because they're not what we want or expect. He wouldn't react to that. He would respond to, this isn't good for them. And that would be, in my mind, his driving motivation. That to me is an amazing mentor who can mentor me now 40, almost 42 years after he passed. That's what we call sometimes on this show, you know, the like a true mentor is one that continues to live in your head even long after the sound has gone. Yeah. That idea of just true presence. And it's funny, I think, Jimmy, when you asked, you know, how did he do that? Well, he didn't have a phone in front of him and he didn't have a computer in front of him and he didn't have somebody pinging him in his pocket and he didn't have thinking about the TikTok video he just watched and he was really with them. And then when he went home, his phone rang or he got the mail and that was how. So today, I think one of the challenges we see really in mentoring. And I think one of the reasons why we do this and one of the reasons why we really want to shed light on this kind of a relationship is people really being present for each other. I think there's mentoring in the sense of like, definitely I want to get ahead and this person can be my mentor and they're, you know, going to teach me how to get ahead. And But there's also this idea of just this unconditional love and showing up and listening and caring for somebody. I think there is the opportunity to bring that back, but it's a bit of work. And when I think of work and I think of you, mm. I think my work related to you is that idea of getting under the noise and getting out of your head and those thoughts that tell you all the things about yourself and the thoughts that tell you all the things that you believe somebody else believes about you. So I'm curious your thoughts of how mentors might be able, when people are showing up for these mentoring relationships, it could be anybody showing up in these relationships. And to Jimmy's point, it could be showing up in a group, it could be showing up one-on-one. -on -one. How do you get out of your head a bit to be able to really show up for, for those kind of conversations? Well, me as a mentor, I just know that it's a terrible idea for me to not be present. And that carries the day. So I don't have a taste for distractions. And I think it's cool that I've noticed that my taste towards being present is is only growing and getting wiser to it. And I dislike the taste of distraction. I dislike the taste of me having me on my mind because that's a you know that's another way of not being present whether it's me looking at a tiktok video or instagram on my phone same as me 
giving attention to the thoughts in my head, right? I don't matter. I'm the least important person if I'm coaching and mentoring somebody. And even when I'm training too, I am not important. So I do not want to have that on my mind. I know that the only person who matters is the person in front of me. Can you square that with me a second? Because that almost seems a little different. And I bet our listeners think this too. You said you like the training aspect because part of it was you were the center of attention. Right. But you just said that now, right. you know, 30 years later, that the important, the only thing that matters is the other person. Right. So how have you seen that shift? Was there somebody who kind of modeled this shift for you? Or maybe when you're not in work, you know, you're a little more inward. I, I don't know. Here's what I noticed. I would spend a lot of time measuring return on investment from training. A lot of time. It would really matter to me that they got value. And it was always high. But then when I got under the skin of what was, you know, what were they doing differently and all of that stuff, well, I noticed it wasn't the entertaining bits that made the impact. It was the profound bits that made the impact. It was insight, not information. I learned that by trial and error and just being curious. And insights don't come from entertainment. Insights come from being quiet. I didn't know that either. I learned. And now I would say I'm so much more low key than I used to be. Now, I do like people to enjoy it. And sometimes it's a lot of fun and there's sometimes going to be a lot of energy. But that's not as important as them having profound, fresh thoughts. I mean, you are also a little entertaining too, just... (laughs) <laughs> well, I might be, but that's not the intention. That's a nice byproduct. It's not right? the intention. It's a nice it's byproduct, a nice byproduct. But not the intention. Because <laughs> you're getting joy. You're getting joy yes. in what you're doing. I love that. I love that. I love that. It's just remembering that you're there for the impact and that the insights come from the quiet. The insights don't come from the entertainment. Love that. Another thing that I was thinking of that I have learned from you so far, and I think I will be curious how you feel about me saying this, but I listened to your podcast recently. And you spoke about a workshop participant who was struggling to see something and kind of a coaching scenario or training scenario of some kind. And I related to it in the sense that there was something that potentially had come up for you as a trainer in this scenario and thinking about how this person perceived it, but then this person perceived it totally differently and also got something so profoundly different from that time that I think the trainer would have never guessed that that's what the takeaway of the training time was. I'd be curious as a mentor also, you know, you show up, you have these deep conversations, you feel like you've either said something or you've probed something and that they really see it. But then you talk to them a month later and it's something so different. It was like a throwaway line you said, and they were like, that's the thing. So does that happen to you often? Happened recently with a the large company I was doing a piece for across Asia. In my, in my mind, I said a throwaway line and, and they went, say that again. And I went, what? And I said something and I said, oh, that. And I said, that's us and our business to business clients right now. And I went, huh, cool. Now I thought something I said two minutes earlier was far cleverer and on point than that. <laughs> I was wrong. You're like, I'm sorry, did you want me to repeat yeah, that again? That's <laughs> So here's why I think that's funny for me is that I love the notion that it's not on me to be smart, clever, or intellectual, that maybe there's some deeper wisdom that resides in me and, and, and I know all of us. 
that resides in all of us that keeps showing up and it keeps nudging us to things and we bump into really cool stuff along the way. So I, I've got a, a different example to this, right? So I was um, thinking about, well, what mentors should I bring up with you in this conversation today? And I've got a few more that I really want to mention in, in a while. But the ones that I've worked with most recently in the last 12 years have been pointing me to an inner mentor, which is what my grandfather is now to me, right? Now, it's not always his voice. It works in really mysterious ways. But I know that what I just hinted at with that wisdom, I have an inner mentor. Last Friday, I um, my alarm went off at 5.45 a.m. I had my first call with Australia at 7 a.m. my time, and I had eight more after that. I had a long day on Friday. I just got home just after midnight after a decently long flight. I had started to make coffee, and it was in my aero. Meanwhile, I'm putting my left hand onto the power socket to turn on the TV because I wanted to see the weather and I wanted to reconnect with the news here in the UK that would just start at 6am. And as I'm reaching in to switch on the TV at the power socket, I, this voice inside said, be patient today. And I, well, that was an interesting thing that my inner voice just said, be patient today. And I went, huh. And instantly I thought, that's a smart idea, actually, because I'm tired. It'd be very easy for me to be irritable and irritated by things today. And I know when I'm in that state of mind, it's easy for it to look like other people are causing my irritation and my lack of patience. Oh, that was really cool. So I then watched the TV for a few minutes, had my cup of coffee and I went, yeah, I'll, I'll remember that tip. Thanks very much in a mentor. When I, I totally thought you were going to say, so I, I heard the voice and then instead of turning on the TV, I journaled. And instead of coffee, I had a mushroom tea and I meditated and just, you know, got in the groove. Yeah. Wisdom works in mysterious ways. And it's funny because I thought you were going to say, the voice said, you know, be patient today. And you turned to it and said, well, I don't actually have time for that. <laughs> have, have you seen my calendar? I'm sorry. Patience was not, patience did not book at three o'clock. So I don't have time for that. That to me, I'm really glad you said that because that's what I know I do and a lot of people do when they, they have this nudge of inner wisdom and then they argue. Jeez, I do that. Oh, I argue with wisdom. It's like, what the heck am I up to? And I will say things like, patience, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you seen my schedule? Did you see the third person I've got on it? Have you ever... Have I ever been patient with them? What are you telling me, right? But that's a different voice. That voice is different from that hey, be patient today. And to me, noticing the difference between those two voices makes a huge difference in my life. And I am- not... Got a different soundtrack. Right. Got a different feel. Different soundtrack. Different feel, different everything, different intentions. And to the extent that I can remember the difference between those two is the only thing I think I might ever need to remember in my entire life. And I'm not perfect. I will still listen to the insecure voice. I will still listen to the argumentative voice. I will still have my ego voice giving me all kinds of stuff. And I will listen to it because I happen to be a human being. Yeah, we are all afflicted with the same problem, human being. What you just said so clearly that I hadn't really thought about before regarding mentoring is when we say show up and you know to be fully present, I think in a way... It's meant to be, you need to be patient and that the irritability that most people show, as you said, is, is really an internal one. It's not external. Yeah. And just being able to kind of smile through something frustrating or something, you know, that you would prefer to act flippantly, that really does build rapport and bonds very yeah. quickly. It does. And the reason why is what I've seen for me anyway, is that other people and 
life out there has got nothing to do with how I feel inside. Nothing to do with it. And it will look like they are the cause of my frustration. And if they are the cause of my frustration, then tackling them is a good idea. If my mm. feeling, my emotion state only comes from what I think from within, which it undeniably does, even though it, most of the time it looks the opposite, then it makes no sense for me to go and actually respond and react to the external factors if they had nothing to do with the cause of my frustration in the beginning. But I had to see that. I had to see that really deeply in order for me to be just a little bit less reactive to other people, knowing that they had nothing to do with how I feel and never will. And the thing that I'm so struck by, when with you is that you are bringing these big ideas to corporate, I would say corporate America, but corporate global, right? So there are these ideas that I think, I don't want to say they're alternative because I think they are actually the core to who we are as human, but perhaps the world, you know, if you searched under topics, they'd be seen as alternative and that you're bringing this really, which is so encouraging for us in this concept of mentoring. And a lot of the people listening, a lot of people that we work with are in these corporate environments how does how do you teach that in yeah. corporations that have such a financial driven model? Well, the great thing is is that we do better when we are more settled and more present to what is the task at hand as opposed to the noise in our heads. We have better relationships with client, customers, suppliers, each other. We are better leaders. We are far more connected. We have far more fresh thought when we're not digging into our own psychobabble. And we're dealing with real things as opposed to things that we imagine in our own minds that might be ruling the roost. And to me, when any anyone notices the difference between someone's internal and then their ability to do a task, then they're absolutely bought in at a deeper level. Because when I started out, I would be training behaviors, thinking that's where it's at. But there's a far bigger game to play when someone is not in there caught up in, as you said earlier on, when they're not under the noise. Oh, thanks for the name check on the podcast. When they're not under the noise Shout of out. their own. Shut up, podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks. When they're not under the noise of their own stuff, right? Well, they're then mentally free to do the task at hand. And every human being does really well when they're mentally free, sustainably stress-free and they rest more and they're more up for it. Yeah. And, and some people find that to be selfish, but it's actually a very non-selfish act. Right. And therefore, when people understand the truth of that, then it becomes second nature. So that's an example to me where the someone might get an insight of oxygen mask on me first is actually good long term, then it's a no brainer. But it doesn't look like that. And so many things in our life look contrary to how things really are. So, so true. And I think when we're thinking about how do you listen to that inner voice, and I think sometimes that inner voice is telling you that you need help, right? You cannot do this all by yourself. Right. And there's sometimes that, you know, the inner voice says, you know, you need support. And then that Edward says, well, I don't have any money for a coach, or I don't have time, or I don't have what have you. A, there's, of course, this inner mentor, which I think is just that quiet and getting wisdom, which is can happen anywhere. It can happen in the bathroom. It can happen on the subway. It can happen at any point. But I think what we really love about mentoring is that it's not, you know, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to be a certified anything. You don't have to have a job. You know, you can really talk to people and ask them to support you and to help you. And I think that that's what we find really beautiful about this. And this was just a great reminder yeah. that sometimes we all need to settle down and say, who can I talk to? Is there somebody that can help me with this? And is there somebody, you know, that by doing that, I can share my burden. I could get 
some help, potentially some actual real help. And I can see ways that I can, you know, show up better for others because I'm taking better care of myself. I mean, maybe that's kind of what I needed to hear today. I don't know about you, Jimmy. Is this resonating? Well, what I heard was the only place in the world where the subway is also a bathroom is New York City. And those were your two examples of when you hear your inner voice. So I thought that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I know Julie said the inner voice in Connecticut, too. I was there. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I mean, the, the point where somebody, like even a teacher, going back to your example of your grandfather as a mentor, a teacher technically has an agenda because they'd like to keep their job. Yet a mentor really doesn't have an agenda. Yeah. There's there's no there's no job to do for the mentor in a mentoring relationship. And so you can be patient. There's almost no reason why not to be patient. You're Yeah. You have no agenda. Yeah, that would be lovely to know that, right? And yeah, anytime I'm having a conversation, whether it's a free conversation with a, a family member or a friend or one that a client is paying me to be their coach or, or mentor. Those conversations with family aren't free. Those, they're not free because it costs you. It doesn't cost them. It costs you. It depends whatever you make up about them, Jimmy. I tell you that 100% of the time. <laughs> we I'm can sorry, explore I'm... that in another session, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 yeah, that, yeah. That, we'll have a separate. chat. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up to the holiday season or the mid-holiday season, eh, you never know. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, though. Please continue. Sorry. Here's what I think matters about that. I think it's still easy, right? And I catch myself with this. How do I provide value while I'm with this person? Now, to the extent I listen to that thought will be the extent to which I'm now listening to me or them. And I do not want to have me on my mind. And I know mentors who are mentors within businesses but still think, oh, I've got to provide value. And that energy is still self-centered as opposed to, I'm just going to listen and let's going to hear what I hear and let's see what happens. That will be their natural brilliance in my mind with a faucet, with a tap open, as opposed to it being closed when we've got us on our minds. So I think it's easier given to what, what you just said, but still, even for a teacher, if they only are thinking about how, how getting through this class will help me, they will suck as a teacher to the extent that they are attending to that thought. Well, I think this is a great transition to then something I like to do, which is a rapid fire word association. Oh, no. I didn't know this was coming. Yeah. Oh, it's fun for me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I just wrote something down about one of the words I'm going to bring up here. But when I say the word mentor to you, what immediately comes to mind? I see a picture of George Pransky who's been my mentor for the last kind of uh, six years more than anybody else. A specific person. I yeah. like it. How about if I say mentee? Excitement. Sponsor? Advocate. Coach? Bill Walsh. Specific Bill Walsh. person. Bill Walsh. San Francisco 49ers. So when with that, is there something that you would recommend for people not to ask or not to say to a potential mentor? Like a specific line, like almost like a no-fly list of yeah. like trying to be in a relationship. With Why that are agenda? you such an idiot? I would avoid that question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he, <laughs> there's, there's something. That was the first thing, right? I'm, I'm starting to catch up with the first phrase that comes to mind. But there's something in, intrinsic in that as well, right? Anything that's judgmental or that is personal, absolutely not a good idea to talk to anyone about. Because there's nothing in my mind, this is a big topic in my opinion, there's nothing in life that anybody is doing 
that's personal and nothing in anyone's life is happening to them personally. I could take anything personally, the weather, but nothing in life is personal and I can take anything personal. And it's not about, it's not about you. No. None of it is. None of it is. Yeah. Wow. As a mentor, as a mentee, as a friend, as a coach, as a podcast, you know, host, we hear all the time people quote phrases back to us that they heard guests say that I do not even remember being uttered at any point in time. And I have to say, after having time with you at the workshop, we were together and I got so much out of it that was actually things that was never ever spoken about at that workshop together. And it's just amazing. I think the key thing is just really trying to make space for yourself and be able to be in a place, whether it's a subway or the bathroom or a retreat with friends or just time being alone or time being in nature, just to be able to be quiet with some inspiration of some kind, even if you can't afford a retreat, it's incredible what will um, come up if you're listening. So I wanted to thank you so much for what you brought to me in my life. And I know, I feel like we could go on and on, but Thank you so much, Wynn. And I love your podcast, Under the Noise, everywhere you find on Apple Podcasts. Wynn Morgan, thank you. Julie, I feel like I need a voice coach after listening to Wynn. What a treat. So soothing. And I love Wynn's voice, of course, but also I feel like I really am able to hear what he has to say because of the way he says it. And I think part of that is the fact that he's really willing to slow down. He has a fantastic turn of phrase where he says, I don't have a taste for distractions. So another podcast with Wynn, we'll have to ask him how he acquired the lack of taste that he doesn't like to you know, go down rabbit holes on, on the internet. But that itself, I think, helps understand why his voice is so calm and soothing because it's just not overly clouded. He's able to retain his focus and let his voice soar. So how did you feel about that? Because one of the things I admire about you is your amazing ability to both be in a conversation and have about 25 different uh, tabs open, Googling, (laughs) looking up different profiles, everything. Were you inspired or were you like, no, I can do that? I think it depends upon what you value. So sometimes in those Mm -hmm. conversations where I know I'm taking a lot of notes, it's more that I'm here to not necessarily be present in the conversation for that other person. When I'm in a mentoring meeting, whether I'm the mentee or the mentor, I don't take any notes because if I don't remember it by the end, it wasn't worthwhile when it was being said. But when I'm covering something for like a consulting engagement, then yeah, I take a bunch of notes because I'm not necessarily showing up for the person. I'm showing up for the topic. I'm showing up for the subject. That um, makes sense. Yeah. But I think when it when it is that kind of intimate conversation that you really want to be able, I think, to hear both what they're, they are actually saying and then what they're not saying. And I think one of the things when does really well or seems to be doing really well is continuing to evolve his ability to not be worried about what the other person's going to think. So to be able to say the hard things or to be able to push somebody, be able to get somebody to see something that they don't normally see because they're getting uncomfortable, that is a real skill. Completely. Wynn said it himself, and I quote, the profound bits are what matters. Insights come from being quiet, not the entertainment. So if you're not actually listening and being fully present in that mentoring situation, you're going to miss the key part because you're not going to see between the lines and hear at the same time. It's too much. And what about pushing hard? What do you think of that that he was talking quite a bit about? making somebody uncomfortable. I think it's brilliant. I mean, the best relationships in this world are with people who I can piss off, but the person doesn't take it personally. I don't know who you're talking about. I I rarely piss you off, Julie. Come on. I'm so pleasant. 
is not true. <laughs> you do push me, which is good. I think we push each other. It's a special thing to know that you have such or like so many deposits in the relational equity that you can push really hard, say things the other person doesn't want to hear. And the other person knows that you're coming from a place of love and caring and honestly patience because you don't expect an immediate resolution to what you're pushing on. You can say, this is something you need to think about and do, but not say, and tomorrow I hope the change occurs. Absolutely. And I think your point's really well taken that you have to really develop that trust. So as we're talking about people in new mentoring relationships, they might not have that yet. Sometimes if it's in a corporate mentoring situation, if it's people that you haven't spent a lot of time with, but over time, those people that really care deeply about you and push you to see things that you might not be able to see without that pushing and, and just getting comfortable with that. So I thought that was an incredible wisdom that it seems like he's really evolving in himself. And I think we can all evolve and get better on too. Speaking about being comfortable, I hope our, our listeners are ready for this. But back in 2006, I used to play a video game all the time called FIFA 2006 Road to the World Cup. And my friends and I had a rule that you couldn't play with any of the best teams. They all had to be you know 70 points or lower on the rating scale. So you couldn't play with like France or Brazil or anything like that. So my team was Wales. And really? Yeah. And I, I it took a lot of self-control to uh, not mention this to win, especially because when I scored a goal and I got excited, other than saying, you know, a bit too ambitious, if somebody missed, I uh, when the goal went in, I would often yell, I love blanking Wales. And uh, that could be a real PETA issue nowadays. It's just, I was very excited about the Welsh at the time. So now I know what shirt to get you for Christmas. Yeah, this was before <laughs> Whale Wars or anything like that. You know, I was just genuinely excited for a small country part of the United Kingdom. Rock on, Wales. And thank you for Wynn Morgan for producing such an eloquent individual. Thanks, Wynn. See ya. We hope this episode was brief yet bright. And now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Go ahead, Jimmy. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about, someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.